CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... G. Marshall. There's a wonderful adjective of Scottish derivation, eldritch. It means weird, eerie, uncanny. And what, in the murk of night, particularly on Halloween, is more eldritch than the faraway sound of muffled bagpipes drifting across the Scottish moor? The reason for that droning, mournful, half-heard skirl is the subject of this tale. from the Sir Walter Scott classic, especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin, and stars Ian Martin. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Allied Van Lines. I'll be back shortly with that. This is a legend handed down from father to son from the 18th century. The lord of a district exacted fealty and fees from all who lived on his land. The lord was an absolute ruler over his small domain, with no one to defy him but the witches, the bogles, the warlocks, and the carlins, the mystic folk of Scottish legend, of whom let man beware as of the devil himself. And once having brushed with them, the penance a man pays follows him the rest of his time, especially if they should have caught him the night before All Saints' Day, the night we know today as Halloween. Who is that there, then? Uh, who else but Steen Steenson himself would be out on a night like this? No, there, boy. I'm glad to see you. I was worried you might have defected this last year of penance. Not likely after all I have lived through. Thirteen years. Off with you. And into the kirk while I stand guard by the door. You have your pipes? Okay. Right here in their mahogany box. But whether I'll have the strength to blow on them for six hours, I don't know. I'm I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, Nor am I. Where are we now? We want to keep that sword of yours out of hell. The way I found myself in the predicament that brought me to the pledge and penance 
came about over 13 years ago. The laird up at Red Gauntlet Castle was Sir Robert then. And in King Charles' time, oh, he was in great favor. Far and wide, though, was he hated and feared. Men thought he had a compact with the devil, that he was proof against steel, and that bullets hopped off of his butt coat like hailstones on a rock. For all that, he wasn't a bad master for those loyal to him, the likes of me, for example, who was a kind of favorite to him for my play in the pipes. But at the time a story begins, oh, I was in dire trouble with the master. It's uh, not as if I was asking for the moon, Jock. You might as well for all the silver you'll get from me, Stainy Stainson. For everyone knows well enough, money burns a hole in your pocket. Hey, but it's not to spend on foolishness. It's for my rent. How much have you got? Uh, Four hundred marks. And how much do you need? Uh, a, a, a thousand. A thousand, is it? Do you think me daft enough to lend you six hundred marks? I couldn't meet the spring reckoning either. It's for two terms. Well, what happened when you came to Sir Robert empty-handed? Oh, my knees were like to melt with fright. He was bad with the gout then. And it was all old Dougal, his manager, and old Hutch and his butler could do to hold him down in the chair when I told him I came empty-handed. Oh, you talked him out of it then? Oh, I brashed my way through, but... Uh, then have a try at it again. And maybe he'll wait a while on the autumn payment. <coughs> there, now you bide a wee till I calm down Mary inside, and then I'll put you away in the barn. Is that you, Steen Steenson? Oh, the very man, Mary Bethweet. Well, don't give me any of your soft talk. Get yourself inside here and tell me. Did you raise the rent? Uh, well, uh, not all oh, of it. How can you be so calm with that old devil of a land sitting up there, ready to throw us out of home and fireside? Oh, well, I might have known. Drinking again as usual. Oh, now, Mary, I just stopped by Jock McCraw's place to see if I could borrow the money I need. And, of course, you had to go spending what you'd already borrowed. If you'd only take the pledge with the minister, as I begged you to... What's that now? I'll open the door, woman, then, and see. Uh, Mr. Stevenson, God save you. And you, Steve. Will you step in, Mr. McCallum? Only for a moment, for I bear no good tidings. Eh? How, how, how's that? Oh, himself is in a rage like I never have seen. Sure, the gout has him, and that always unsettles him. But there's something beyond that that troubles, my lord. It's as though some devil were gnawing away at his vitals. Or that damned little female monkey, heaven knows who sent him as a gift, has cast a spell across him. How do you mean, Mr. McCallum? Why, he dresses the evil little thing as though she were his mistress. And she's always sitting on his shoulder, chattering and whispering as if the nonsense she makes had some meaning. Hey, but, but how, how does this affect me, Dougal? What bad tidings? do you bring? Well, you can well you're in arrears for two terms. Oh, I know. Well, I'm here to collect. I, I, I don't have it all. I'll give you what I have. How much? Four uh, hundred. Is that all? Well, he'd never accept the rage he's in. 
Steenie, I warn you. I'll be back this night by five at the castle. You'd better be there, too, the silver in hand by that time. Dougal, have a heart. Don't ask me to venture out after dark. You know the witches and bogles are all gathering for Halloween at this week's end. <laughs> you have more to fear from Sir Robert than any bogles or witches. If you have the money, come, no matter even if it's after dark. And so it was back to Jock McGraw's pub to make him the one offer I knew he'd be hard put to it to refuse. Ten percent interest is against Maggie if you don't pay back within the twelve months. Hey, that's right. Oh, she's the finest mare this side of the tweed. I'll take your offer. Six hundred marks. But first, before all, we'll write out the receipt to be witnessed. And so away I trotted to Red Gauntlet Castle with a full purse and a light heart, glad to be out of the lair's danger. Save that it was a wee after five, and by the time I got there, oh, it was to find that Sir Robert had fretted himself into a fit of the gout because I was late. Have you got the silver? Okay. But that's the best part. Now for the other. He's in a terrible fit of temper, so be ready for anything. And that jackanapes is sitting on his shoulder, ready to bite or scratch or stretch out her greedy little hands for whatever's in reach. Steer clear of her. I swear she's a witch disguised. There he goes, blowing on his silver whistle. Before he takes the apoplexy, let's get up to calm him down. Sir Robert sat, or I should say, lay in a great armchair with his grand velvet gown and his feet in a cradle. His face was fired up and as ravaged as Satan. The monkey, in a red laced gown, sat on the chair behind him with Sir Robert's wig perched racily on its head. Pistols and his sword lay by him, but more deadly to me, oh, the rental book. That's uh, Stephen, is it not? Of Stevenson, called Steenie. Right. That, that's your true man, my lord. He brings his rent, sir. He's got so then. Here it is, Your Lordship. Is it all here, Steeny man? I believe Your Honor will find it all right. Here, here, Dougal, then. Give Steeny a glass of brandy downstairs while I count the silver and write a receipt. As you wish, my Lord. It comes to... Oh, God, take me. The fire is on me again. Get me some cold water for my feet. Oh, Steeny, Steeny, run quick. Call for Hutchin to get the water. Hey, yes, Dougal. Hutchin! Hatchin! What is it? The, the Laird is having an attack. Dougal bids you bring water as fast as you can. I will, and I will. Cold water from my feet and hot wine from my throat. Oh, Hush, Lord. We, we'll bring you what aid we can. Oh, the devil himself is tugging at my coattails. What can I do? Nothing. Go on, lad, go. Hey, but I have no receipt for my rent. Here's the bath of cold water. Oh, the foul fiend has me in his grass. Get me free. Help me get his feet in the water. Sure, and I will. My receipt, Dougal. Which don't bother us now. If it isn't enough what we have to handle, that monkey has to interfere. Quiet, you. Shall we put his feet in the water? Aye. Let's rid of this beast fast. 
if I could just have my receipt, I could go and... Don't I... bother us now. Away with you. And let us do what has to be done. I do. Well, I, I suppose it were better. Put his feet in the water. Hutch. Oh, rats and damn me. I'm burning up as if I was in hell. Here we go. God in heaven, is there no relief? Now we, we're by your side, Laird. We'll see you free. talking and I went running as fast as my heels might carry me out into the darkling night, knowing the laird had gone to his just deserts, and that tonight the devil and all was abroad. I made straight for the pub. I took a bottle by myself and snugged into the darkest corner. Time passed and I lost myself in the scotch mist, till all of a sudden old Hutchin was beside me. Uh, the laird is gone, shivering and shaking and crying out like he was turning on the coals. Oh, God save us all. Uh, amen. Uh, <laughs> is Dougal with him? Aye, in more ways than one. For when he offered him his cup, after he drank, he flung it away from him against poor old Dougal's head, and the weight of the pewter crushed his skull. The one's as dead as tether. Hey, but my rent. I have no receipt. Was it entered in the book? I know nothing at all, except that when I ran from the room, that ungodly monkey was bouncing up and down, gibbering and mocking, as if in sheer delight, like some damn goblin witch, I believe it to be. I fled here to keep my sanity and to try to feel safe. But I feel in my bones, will no one of us be safe till the week is out. And the midnight bell strikes in all saints' day and makes us safe and sure again. So the rent is paid. But Stephen Stevenson has no receipt. And the laird is dead. And William, the only witness that it was ever paid. And this is only leading up to that baleful night in Scottish legend. A far cry from our only mischievous trick-or-treat night. A night when all the fiends of hell are free to roam before the dawn of All Saints' Day drove them back into hiding and darkness. I shall return shortly with Act Two. Like all good Scotsmen, a few liberal doses of the Bonnie Barley Brew made the night seem brighter. And the nearer they got to the bottom of the bottle, the farther their fears receded. For that matter, the drizzle had eased up, the wind died down, and the moon had risen. And if Steenie was just a wee unsteady on his legs as he went to the window to look out, he still had no trouble saying, <laughs> It's a brick. And if you say that, you're a risk. Uh, after all, Hutch, old lad, it's not Halloween as yet. Hey, that's true enough. 
Any witches come flying by, oh, I'll give them such a clop on their bottles, they'll go black hat over tea kettle off their broom. <laughs> That's the courage of you, Danny, lad. Uh, I wonder who'll be taken over now Sir Robert is gone. Uh, that'll be Sir John. There's a rider away post-haste up to Edinburgh to bring him down for the funeral. Oh, aye, aye. Is he as hard a man as his father? Well, uh, yes and no. He's a fair man. I, I've got to say that for him. But he's a stickler for detail. And a man for the books. For the books. He'll not let a penny slip through his fingers. Yeah, so I'd heard. That's why I'm away up to the castle with you. I don't follow you. Why, do you see, Hatchin, I've got no receipt. So I must recover the money I paid. It was right there on the table waiting for him to count out when he had his attack. You, you must have seen it. That I did not. We were that busy trying to handle the laird. But, but after, when you, when, you, when you had him laid away, you saw it then. Near a sight of it. When Dougal passed away, I left straight here for the pub. Where I could have a drink. Oh, then it still must be lying on the table. So come, man, come. We, we have to recover it before one of the castle guards finds it and pockets it. It's awful quiet here in the castle. Aye, it's like as if it were empty of everybody but the dead. Here, let him get you your money. No. Where could it be? On the table here, by the rent book, alongside the chair. Oh, oh no. What is it? It's gone. C could Dougal have taken it? No. I laid him out myself. There wasn't over a handful of coins in his pocket. Well, it's got to be somewhere. Let's have a look in his desk. Don't be touching that. You'll have your head for it. How, how can he? The man is dead, is he not? Good God defend us. Was that the master's whistle? Oh, Peter, either Dougal or me, if we never answered his summons. Oh, where are you going, Hutchie? It came from his bedroom. He's calling me. How can he be? He's, he's dead. I don't know. I only know when the whistle blows on the pain of my own life, I answer his call. Coming right there from his bedroom. The way he did every night when he was ready for bed. Yeah, but, 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 who, who, who's blowing it? No one ever blew it but him. <laughs> Dance to the whistle when he blows, lad. Dance to the whistle when he blows. Merciful heavens. I... Oh. <laughs> You'll all dance to it soon. He'll summon you all to hell. Even you, my brave young man. Even you here, get in the end. At the awful sight, old Hutchin had faded. And when I swallowed my own heart back from my mouth, I took to my heels like the devil himself were after me. Nor did I stop Maggie at the full canter till I reached my own home. Oh, you're daft, Steen. Or what's worse, drunk. I tell you, I saw what I saw. When we opened the door, there were torches enough to light the whole room. The laird in his coffin, stiff as the corpse he was, while sitting on his chest, cross-legged in a black pointy hat with a long nose threatening a chin, all wrinkled and withered with 
fire spouting out of her mouth and great long crooked fingers pointing a spell at me was a witch. You can ask old Hutchin if you want. I thought you said he fainted. Uh, well, when he comes to, then. <laughs> he was as drunk as you. Probably what the both of you saw was that ugly monkey at the robber. Ah, no, the monkey's gone, disappeared. So she came back. It's all a fancy you've taken. You weren't there to see, woman. And more than that, if it was fancy, who blew the whistle, eh? Who was blowing on the laird's whistle but himself? If you ask me, I think the whisker was ringing in your ears. But that's enough of your excuses. What I want to know is, was the rent paid? Aye, it was paid the first time. Then where's the receipt? Well, I, I have no receipt. The lair died before he could count the money and write me one. No receipt? Oh, merciful God in heaven, what's to become of us when the new lair takes over? You surely take my word for it. Won't he? And if he doesn't? It didn't take me long to find out just how Sir John was disposed. For wasn't it on Halloween night its very self I was summoned to the castle? Oh, a wild night with the wind whistling and the moon buried in scudding clouds and the rain slanting down and soaking through the thickest wool right down to the skin. At the castle, Hutchin took me to Sir John to introduce me and let me tell my story. Sat straight in his father's chair in deep mourning. Sorry to bring you abroad on such a wild night. Uh, Goodman Stevenson, was it? Aye, that's it, that's it. Steeny Stevenson, to all I know he. I hear you're a good man with a bagpipe. Oh, I played for your father, sir, and I hope to play for you. Anytime you command me, I'll always be ready. I'll remember that once we have finished our business. Oh, yes, sir. His was a sudden call. He'll be missed in the country. No time to set his house in order, and he left behind a tangled web to unweave. Uh, let me see in the rent book. Yeah, you are down here for two quarters rent behind my hand, due at last term. Uh, if, if it please your honor, Sir John, I paid that to your father. Well, you took a receipt then, doubtless, and can produce it. Well, indeed, I hadn't the time, and uh, please, Your Honor, for, for no sooner had I set down the silver and your father had drawn it to him to count and write out the receipt than he was taken with the pains that... Uh, that removed him. Oh, my. Well, that was unlucky, was it not? But you maybe paid it in the presence of someone, Steeny. I want only the simplest reassurance. Well, close Sir John, there was nobody in the room at the paying but Dougal McCallum, his ground officer. But, as your honor knows, he's already followed his old master. Ah, he's very unlucky again. The man you paid the money to is dead. The man who witnessed the payment is dead, too. And the money appears to have disappeared. Well, how am I to credit all this? Hutchin was here, sir. I have already questioned Hutchin. He never saw the money. And when you came back to the house, there was no evidence it had ever existed. Oh. I must beg that you cease this silly masquerade. For, Stephen, I must tell you that you must pay or flick. Leave my house? But where would I go? If you have creditors, maybe to a debtor's prison... 
And think yourself fortunate that my judgment on you is not harsher. Well, do you suppose I have the money? Oh, far be it from me to say so. Do you charge any of my people with having taken it? Well, I would be loath to charge them that may be innocent. And if there be anyone that is guilty, I, I have no proof. Then if there is a word of truth in your story, the money must be somewhere. Now, where do you suppose it to be? Well, if you will have my thoughts on it, Laird, then here they are, in hell, along with your father, his unholy monkey, and his silver whistle. Down the stairs I ran out of that parlor, where all the time the Laird was swearing blood and wounds behind me, as fast as ever did Sir Robert before him, and roaring for the bailiff and the baron officer. <laughs> Maggie, you may well cry out this night, for the devil is to pay. I threw myself on Maggie's back and was off into the night. First off, I didn't know where I was headed, just so it was away from Red Gauntlet and Sir John's wrath. Then, in the cold and the damp, with the wind skirting around like a wild thing, oh, I knew where I was going and the two reasons why. Jock McGraw's pub. What ails you, man? Uh, are you a friend of mine? Well, I thought to be. Then lend me a hand, Jock, or there's no other way. I'm to be cast out for no payment of rent and for what I just said to the new laird. I, I no doubt will soon be dancing at the end of a rope if I can't raise the money. Well, what happened to what I gave you the loan of? Well, it was paid to the old laird the night he died. But he never gave me a receipt and the money just vanished into thin air. Well, you have the gall to ask me for money? When you've thrown away what I gave you already? Do you hear me all now? Here sits Stain Stainson, false friend, thief, braggart, beggar, and bankrupt. The Laird and his officers are after him, so help me hold him till they catch him, for I have claim on his horse before any. Stand back, all of you, or any man that approaches me near, I'll run him through, for I'm a desperate man this night. And to save my heart and home and my family, I'll ride the wind with the witches abroad, even if it blows me all the way to hell itself. Poor Steenie, back against the wall, condemned by circumstance to the shameful name of thief and beggar, two names a Scotsman cannot abide. But an even worse fate awaits him as he rides through the Halloween night when the graves gape open and the souls of the dead join the wild feast of demons and witches and all who cause mischief in this world and the other. A world which Steeny, in his anguish, mentioned by name, never dreaming his challenge might be taken up and where his only redress for his wrongs will be found out of this world. I'll return shortly with Act Three. For a long while, Steenie Steenson hurtled pell-mell through the murky, wind-swept night, caring little for his safety or where he was heading. 
For what he took worst was the realization that his whole world would now regard him as a cheat and thief. And he took the loss of his good name as worse than all else. The night turned darker, and the trees blackened it even more yet as he found himself in Pitt Murky's wood. Suddenly, his exhausted horse, Maggie, was galvanized into action, springing and leaping in full flight like a two-year-old, and snorting and whickering in fear. For behind him, dipping and swaying among the tree branches, rode a hag on a broomstick, fast coming up on him, no matter that Maggie was running full out in frantic terror. What's your hurry, Sweeney? <laughs> Whom do you please? I'm, I'm shutting my eyes. You're not there. You're, you're not there at all. Oh, I'm here, all right, Steen Stinson. If I weren't, you'd have no hope. No hope at all. I have none, no. When all you need is Without money. Without it, I've lost everything. My good name, my wife, my home, and for all I know, my head. But with it, you could have all back. Oh, only if you can lend me the money, mistress, whoever you are, and wait a long day for it. I have no other hope on earth. But there may be some under the earth. <laughs> under the earth. The word. Uh, 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 here, but uh, I don't understand. Steamy. Would you dare great things? Well, what things? Your old laird is distressed in his grave by your curses and the wailing of your family and your friends. But I tell you true, if you dare venture to go see him, he'll give you the receipt. Well, how could you know that? Open your eyes, Steenie. Look well on me. Oh, the Lord. Lord, help me. It's the Robert Monkey. I am. If you want to see me. But now, I have offered you freedom this Halloween night. Dare you risk and reach for the prize? Where must I go? But you must answer me. Will you go? Oh, what choice do I have? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Roaring, picked up Barstow himself. Dougal McCarran. 
Is that you? I, I thought you were dead. Yeah, dinner concern yourself with me, lad. Don't you trouble your head about any but your own self. See, you take nothing from anybody here. Neither meat, nor drink, nor silver. Except just the receipt, which is your own. Come. Up and round the great staircase, Dougal led me to the banqueting hall. And the Lord take us and keep me. What a ghastly set of robbers sat about that table. Uh, you might as well know where you are, Steenie. Her, her, with her head under her arm. Mary, Queen of Scots, to have struck her head from her shoulders. And the fat man with the veins in his nose. Henry VIII, who's as much at home here as old Nick himself. Oh, enough to turn the nails blue. Ah, they would, were I to name the rest. Attila, the Hun, Macbeth, and yonder in the corner, shoot himself. You've been noticed by Sir Robert. Tini! Tini, the piper, come at last. Come forward, lad, and you'll give us a tune on the pipe. But first, have you settled with my son for the rent? Uh, indeed, I have not, Laird. Sir John will not settle with me without a receipt. Uh, you shall have that for a tune of the pipe. Uh, remember what I said. Take or do nothing but get the receipt. Hey, I, I beg the Laird to excuse me. I'm, I'm tired and, I, and I'm afeard and, and I'm that cold. I, I don't think I have enough wind to fill the bag. Well, then you must eat and drink, lad, for we do little else here. Oh, I beg you to forgive me, sir, but I came here neither to eat nor to drink nor to make minstrelsy, but only to ask what is my own to know what happened to the money I paid and and to get a discharge oh, for it. Oh, now, dummy, there's no gain saying you've seen it. So here, here is your receipt. And for the money, my dog, whelp of a son, may go look for it in the cat's cradle. Oh, I give you my thanks, and I beg leave to withdraw. No, 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 not a step yet. Here we do nothing for nothing. So you must return this Halloween at 12 months to pay your master the homage that you owe me for my protection. I refer myself not to your pleasure, but to God's. When I came to myself, I was lying in the old red gauntlet churchyard with a scutcheon of Sir Robert hanging over my head and old Maggie feeding quietly by the minister's two cows. I would have thought the night was nothing but a dream, save that clutched in my hand was Sir Robert's receipt, fairly written in his hand. Sore trouble in my mind, I rode to the castle, and after great trouble, I got audience with Sir John. Well, have you brought me my rent? I have not. But I have brought your father Sir Robert's receipt for it. His receipt? You told me he had not given you one. Would your honor just see if the signature is correct? Hmm. Well, it is hand all right. But what is this, this, this date? The 31st of October from my appointed place this year. But this, this was yesterday. Oh, 
Oh, you villain, you must have gone to hell for this. Oh, whether he be in heaven or hell, I know not, but I got this from your father this Halloween night. Damn your impudent hide. I shall reveal you for a warlock to the Privy Council and send you to your master, the devil, with the help of a tar barrel and a torch. Oh, no, I intend to reveal myself to the minister and tell him all I have seen last night. For he's fit of the judge than a simple man like me. Uh, uh, by the way, Stan, let's, let's consider all. Now, if this story be true, where should we find this cat's cradle you mentioned? Oh, we'd best ask Hutchin the butler, sir. He knows all the odd corners better than any man. So it proved. For Hutchin remembered an old ruinous turret, long disused next to the clock house, accessible only by ladder, for the opening was on the outside far above the battlements. And that once it had borne the name of Cat's Cradle. Had me my pistol belt, Hutchin, and help me buckle it on. Oh, it's very dangerous to think of climbing up there. And in the wind? If it is to right or wrong, it is my duty. Slowly and carefully, he climbed the ladder and disappeared into the turret. Then, of a sudden, came... Hey, are you all right, my lord? Aye, and all is right. I have found your money. Here, here is the real culprit. Make sure I've made a thorough job. Of making it dead. What he had thrown down at my feet and Hutchins was the lifeless body of the monkey or ape or whatever it was. And later in the study, Sir John explained. I want to make amends to you, Steenie. Here is your money, which I found among many things, stolen away and missing through the years, which that witch imp had carried away to line its nest. Now keep it, keep it, and pay your debts. You shall have a year free to catch up again. Oh, Your Honor. Now, wait, 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 wait. I have not finished. I would wish no questions as to the health of my father's soul. So I think we could do better to lay all the damage on the monkey. That is, to forget your dream in Pitmorky Wood. You had a good deal from the bottle, and it would be hard to be sure of much. As, as for this document, well, it's a queer kind of thing. It would be best to put it in the fire. Hey, but queer as it is, Sir John, it's all the voucher I have for my rent. I will bear the contents to your credit in the rental book. It shall be done with witnesses. Ah, uh, I would wish to speak with the minister on the subject. For I like not the sort of summons of appointment your honor's father... Do made. not call that phantom my father. Well, then, the, the, the thing that looked so like him. You see, he spoke of coming back in a 12 month, And I had the notion that if I was called and had no way to refuse, it might be forever. Very well. If you are so distressed in mind, speak to the minister. The minister had a solution, all right. One was that I had to take the pledge and give up the bonny dew for all these 13 years. And the other was that every Halloween, 
for 13 years from six till the witching hour was past. I would play my serenade on the bagpipes, but safe within the hallowed walls of the church. And tonight is the last night. Will that be the end of it at last, Minister? I hope you go home, Steenie. You're safe at last. Home? Home? Oh, no. I've cast out the spell now. And my first stop is going to be back at the pub. Fill it up, Jack, lad. Fill it up. Oh, oh what a... What a terrible thing. What is that, Steenie? My mouth is watering so for a taste at last that I'm afraid I'll dilute the bonny whiskey. <laughs> no fear with a glass that full. Here, bottoms up. Hi, bottoms up. Hey. Oh. Ah. Oh. Steenie, lad. What's with you at all? Wasting good spirits like that. Are they good spirits? Did I ever serve anything else? Well, then drink this drink and tell me if it's all as it should be. Taste it for yourself. <laughs> You'll know after wring my arm. <sighs> the best. You'll never find any better whiskey. Oh, no. Oh, what they've done to me. This spell is not all over. I've lost my taste for whiskey. I'll be a teetotaler all my life. Poor Steenie. Or perhaps not so poor, for he lived to the ripe old age of 101. And though he never touched a drink again, he never saw a ghost again either. Perhaps there never was a witch, but only an alien creature like a monkey. And a few of the illusions that smoke out of a whiskey bottle and create tales and legends the like of this. I'll be back shortly. Halloween seems to be falling out of favor. The hordes of small spooks, tiny skeletons, lipstick-smeared clowns, the homemade costumes from Dad's old top hat to pinned-up baggy trousers, the mock witches and Mother's old nightgown, no longer roam the streets in such numbers. And fewer and fewer are the houses that are ready for trick or treat. A little sad for the children, but don't you grown-ups be too foolhardy. Best not to venture abroad that night, for the real ghouls and ghosties die hard. In America, as well as Scotland. Our cast included Ian Martin, Arnold Moss, Bryna Rayburn, Court Benson, and Guy Sorrell. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.